Welcome everybody to this episode of Spawn on Me, this is episode 178 of our show. I'm your host, Khalif Adams, and I am joined by no one this week uh, because uh, the boys uh, are taking a mini break, um, which gives me the chance to bring to you some audio uh, from an event that I was super excited to be a part of. Um, it took a long while to get the okay to release this audio from uh, the Blacks and Gaming Xbox uh, events that happened at GDC this year. Um, so, you know, it, it was a cool event um, that I got to be a part of. I got to host the Fireside Chats on it. Um, it was phenomenal because we had some super heavy hitters um, in the building. And it's one of those things that when you get a chance to kind of um, share, you know, great people with, you know, up and coming folks, um, you have to jump at the chance to do that kind of work. So um, I was lucky enough, again, folks from Xbox, uh, Sierra and James um, looked out and was like, hey, you know, you know that you are uh, pretty cool and you do some good stuff with Spawn on me. So let's see if we can get you in here to do this. Um, The coolest part about that is when you get to have fun with your friends, uh, it makes the uh, ability to interview them uh, so much easier. Um, So we had a crazy lineup. Uh, Some of the some of the folks that you definitely know from either being on our show or just being in, you know, black gaming spaces. Tanya DePass, of course, from I Need Diverse Games. Um, Gordon Bellamy, who's a visiting scholar at, at USC. Uh, we also had Tramel Tramel Ray Isaac, uh, who is the art director from Boss Key, uh, and rounding out the the foursome was Craig Campbell, who is the director of talent acquisition over at Microsoft. Um, and we got a chance to talk about everything from you know what it's like to be uh, in academic spaces, what it's like to um, kind of mold young minds, uh, what it's also like to be the head of a department, uh, and what it's also like to try to find work in the industry um, if you're a person of color. Um, and we got a chance to, to chop it up. Um, each interview is probably about like 15 to 20 minutes long, maybe a little bit longer than that. Um, you know, when you're taping in the wild, there's always going to be some uh, audio quirks. So uh, when you listen to these interviews, uh, just, you know, don't pay don't pay too much attention to things that are kind of wonky and maybe not up to the you know usual quality that you hear on the show. Um, sometimes, you know, folks aren't used to, to having microphones in their faces. Uh, and sometimes, you know, audio is weird and, and stuff like that. But I think that the takeaway from all these wonderful talks was that um, you have a lot of really amazing folks who are looking out to advance, you know, our prominence um, in all these spaces and who, are re- who really care about kind of uplifting and share and showcasing um, the talents of other people who are coming up behind them um, and, and signal boosting and giving platforms to folks who are trying to do really good work. So, again, we're going to let all these run back to back to back. Uh, we're just going to run, run straight through um, and let us know what you thought of, you know, things like this. Uh, let, let the folks over at the Blacks and Gaming uh, on their on their Twitter handle, you can search for that. It's pretty easy to find. Um, let the folks at Xbox know that you appreciate you know work like this, and you know hopefully they'll bring me back on to do another hosting gig uh, for something like this. Um, and let the folks know who who were featured in uh, these fireside chats know that you know this kind of work is needed and appreciated, 
and, uh, and that you want to see more of it from them. So uh, we're going to run into the audio. Uh, we're going to let it rock. There will be a mini break, do a little bit of ad work, um, and then we'll get right back into the fireside chats. And we hope and I hope that you really take some time to to, to meditate and to, to absorb all the, the gems that got dropped uh, earlier on this year in March uh, at GDC. So uh, with that said, I'm going to boogie up out of here. We're going to let this run. And uh, I hope to see you all back here next week on the Spoiler Me podcast. Much love. Peace. Thank you to everyone who made this possible. I'm Khalif. Uh, I help run the Spoiler Me podcast, uh, a podcast that spotlights spots spotlights people spotlights people of color in the industry uh so we want to make sure that all of you are seen heard and have a way to be able to talk about the games that you make and also talk to those folks who are in other places who don't know that you are there so we want to make sure that you are getting the love and respect that you all deserve um and speaking of love and respect tanya the pass is my homie i love you because you have helped to move a lot of the stuff that we do forward um, founder of I Need Diverse Games, uh, you've been kicking ass everywhere you go, and it's been so cool to see you be able to push diversity forward in ways that have not been done before. So, everybody, give it up for Tanya. So this is where it gets real laid back. What up? How you hey, doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. How are you trying you? to make somebody cry before we get started? I almost cried myself. So I'm not. I'm not going to say that because I love you. You do dope stuff. I love you too. Word. Um, how has everything been for your GDC this year? Has it been super chill? Has it been pretty busy? Has it been pretty hectic? Um, it's been good until today. Today is all the things. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my first time speaking at GDC was today. Yeah. I did a roundtable on diversity, advocacy, and community building with Rebecca Cohen Palacios. Nice. We actually filled the room and it was standing. Wow. For the first time that this, wow. round, this kind of roundtable has happened. Wow, that's really, really dope. So it was a little nerve-wracking, uh-huh. um, but we had a great crowd. We had a lot of good feedback. We got a lot of people that want to help. Yeah. So hoping going forward, we can start a special interest group or a SIG, and then you know morph this into a talk and, and more things, and especially money. <laughs> yes, funding, funding is important. So if there are folks out here, Xbox, <laughs> if you want to help fund some really cool things and initiatives you know you have a lot of people in this room who would definitely love to hear you reach out and stuff like that if people who don't know you and don't know about the work you've been doing you know, let everybody know kind of where you started you know how you started i need diverse games and kind of where everything kind of uh began so funny story i was literally mad about video games at six in the morning october 2014 <laughs> No, seriously, that's where the hashtag came from. And, you know, it it hit a nerve. And people were willing to have the conversation. They were willing to keep talking about it. And from a few tweets that got picked up by friends with a far larger Twitter presence than I have, it started trending. People started having the conversation. It was like, do you want to take this off Twitter? Do you want to have a blog? Do you want to do something else? And Started blogs, started communities. I was on Spawn on Me, uh, episode 36. I still remember. You remember the number? <laughs> yes. That's madness. Um, you know, got interviewed and started to talk about it more. You know, uh, unfortunate things were going on in the industry. Sure. So, you know, I think that spurred the conversation because people wanted to talk about it. You know, it, we're in a very large room full of black and brown folks, which I'm really happy to see. I'm happy. This is so dope to see all everybody here. This is dope. Like, I might cry, like, legit get choked up happy. <laughs> Don't you cry. Uh, I might. Because I will snot bubble cry if you cry. 
anyway. after you're done. After okay. you're done. Okay. Great. Um, but but the conversation kept going, and you know I met a lot of people that are interested in it, and you know through either conversations, interviews, having a chance to go on podcasts and talk about my work. Um, eventually, a podcast of our own grew out of this. Um, thanks in part to Khalif and Spot on Me crew, and getting to come to conventions and talk about this. And now you know. Two and a half years later, I'm sending people to GDC as part of the GDC scholarship program. We have 25 people who have gone, well, 50 total, thanks to I Need Diverse Games. Um, and we're trying to grow even more. We're trying to get people who can come to PAX, you know, on our behalf and send people out to conventions. And we really want people to have mentors in the industry. We want people to grow. We want people to stay in the industry. Because it's not enough to get in the door. It's, it's more important that you stay. And that's one of the things we want to do. So we're looking to grow into a mentorship program. We're looking to grow into being able to fund people who want to go to things because it's a privilege to be here. And we want other people to have that opportunity. Yeah. What have been some of the conversations that you've had with folks who have come to you and say, hey, you know, I have a game. I don't think that my voice is being heard. Um, I want to be able to make sure that I am uh, in a space both, you know, uh, kind of visibility wise and also, you know, hopefully monetarily. Um, have you been able to kind of help navigate and help folks kind of move some of those things along besides, you know, getting folks here? Um, I've had some people who, you know, didn't kind of know who to reach out to or they weren't sure, you know, are there other black folks in the industry? Because sometimes you come here because it's my third GDC. The amount of us is very small compared to the larger GDC population. <laughs> Look, it, we're we're making a darker circle, a bigger one every year. We're taking over slowly. Um, but you know, just people that felt very alone and was yeah. able to say, "I know these twenty people. You should go talk to them." Or you know, throw out a signal boost on Twitter because there are people who are afraid to do that, or they think I've got twenty Twitter followers, and no one's going to care about what I have to say. Right. Um, so I've been able to make some good connections for folks or just even being present because that's where a lot of this comes in at is that if you don't see anyone like you, you're going to wonder, is there a place for me? And so by being visible, by putting myself out there and helping other people be out there and encouraging folks to be out, out front and present, those conversations have happened. Yeah. Um, a friends of ours that started a podcast because they saw that other people were doing a podcast and they're like, I can do it too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, some of the, some of the things I love about, um, kind of your journey through all of this has been, you know, you started off in one place and you had. Uh, a, a kind of limited knowledge about even just the business side of it, which I think has been something that everyone in here can definitely um, uh, gain some knowledge on if you haven't already started a business or if you already haven't started a nonprofit or, you know, have taken those extra steps. You know, what have been some of the things that you've learned in between the first time that you were like, had that angry moment and now you like you run, you run your own org. And how's that? How's that? What has been some of the things you've learned in that space? Uh, collaboration is key. Hmm. You are not alone. And reach out to people, but also think about what you say in your presence online, because one ill-worded tweet, one poor Facebook presence can tank your reputation. And even if it was an honest mistake, the first impression is if it's the worst one, you know, just think about who it is you're reaching out to and, and know that one, you're not alone, but two, you're stronger together and we're not in competition with each other. Mm-hmm. we're out here and we should be working together because what I've seen a lot of times is people want to have their own little bubble. This is my thing. This is what I've built. But if I work with you, we can collaborate and do that. So learn the power of collaboration. Learn who else is out here doing the work and don't be afraid to reach out. You know, the worst thing I can tell you is no, I'm busy or I can't. Um, 
Twitter is a, is a place for great good and also for great evil. <laughs> but a lot of what I've accomplished has been through the power of Twitter and social media and reaching out and collaborating with people or meeting them at places like GDC and PAX mm -hmm. and then following up via social media, via email. Also, be timely. Learn how, learn how to answer email. Because if, if someone messages you and they don't hear from you, that's going to let them know you're not serious. So get it together. Get time management tools. Google Docs is your friend. It has saved me. <laughs> um, you know, but learn that there's other folks out here doing the work. You have not invented the wheel. You are not chipping it away from stone. And if you and if you reach out, there's going to be somebody else like, hey, I got an axle. You got two wheels. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. It's been it's been really cool to be able to see that side of things kind of manifest itself. Um, it's also been cool to see you then dig into different kinds of media, too. Um, you started uh, Fresh Out of Tokens. Um, and that has been amazing. Um, what have been some of the things you've learned on that end too, where you've kind of grown and <laughs> learned how to then have the media side kind of come into the business parts of what you've been doing? Um, I learned that I hate audio editing. <laughs> <laughs> Word on that part. Um, but it's Word. been interesting. And, you know, I found that if you reach out and ask my, hey, come on my podcast, nine times out of ten, they tell you yes. Yeah. Which was really kind of surprising. I was like, I have a podcast. Will you be on? And they're like, sure. And then I find out they've never been on a podcast. And they're like, I just want to talk about what I do, which is validating. You, someone was going to let you talk for an hour or two hours about your game, about your work. Um you know, and it's also, it's a chance to give people a voice. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a small thing to be able to sit with someone for an hour, hour and a half, two hours. But then you send that out in the world and, and 10 more people, 20 people, however, whatever your numbers are, they hear about this cool game, what this person's doing, their mm -hmm. collaboration. So it's, it's, it's giving people a voice that they did not have or they think that maybe they didn't feel like they should have because a lot of people go, you want me on your show? Why? <laughs> so if somebody asks you to be on a podcast, say yes. Yeah. Yeah. Always say yes. Always say <laughs> yes. Um, actually, yeah. Shout out some of the folks you've had on the show. Cause the thing that's been really cool is like, you've had your show for, for you get your hundred or just released episode 87 this week, 87th this week. Um, and you've had some heavy hitters on the show already. Folks, I was like, yo, Tanya, yo, <laughs> can, I, can I meet these people? But th let the folks know, like, some of the folks you've had on the show already. Oh, wow. Um, I've had Jennifer Hepler, formerly of BioWare. I had David Gator, also BioWare. Alan Shoemaker of BioWare. Um, I had Jim Sterling of Jimquisition. Who else? Because it's been 87 episodes. Trying to get me to Rihanna, recall. Rihanna Pritchard. I have Rihanna. I have not had Rihanna Pratchett. Pratchett? No. No. Th oh, you could. Well, you guys talk a lot, so I thought you might have. Um, I'm trying, if Rihanna hears this, you can come on the show. <laughs> um, trying to get Zoe Quinn on once she's done working on her game. Um, you got Zoe. Yep. I hate you for that. I love you too. <laughs> um, but you know, there's a lot of people where it's like we're kind of working on it. We had uh, our friend UGR Gaming, also known as Brandon Stennis, who has, you know, hustled for two years from not having a job to being a partner streamer and working for a stream company. He's amazing. Um, I yeah. had my friend Andrea on the show who's an amazing streamer. So all these people like from just different different areas of the gaming sphere, and it's not like, oh, you got to be a triple-A dev. If you're making cool things, come and talk to me. I want to have you on the show because if you can't get an article, you can't get someone to talk to you, come talk to me. I will talk to a brick wall when it comes to the podcast. Daily life, not so much. <laughs> podcast, <laughs> I will talk to you all day. So so we're going to shift it back to, to INDG. Mm -hmm. um, and the... You know, doing anything and trying to, you know, have a passion for it is really, really hard. Mm. All of you know that you're here for that reason. Um, what have been some of the triumphs you've kind of seen already and kind of 
had some some breakthroughs and things and you're like this is a wall that i need to break down i finally have knocked that door down you know what are some of the things you've been able to do on that end and and talk about some of the fun parts of, of being able to do this work because it's I, I know it's really hard but you do get to, to to shine some bits too so um you know for me it's been coming out of my shell because i'm an introvert believe it or not and you know going to conferences going to talk to people getting the chance to go to things like gdc um writing for places like polygon and waypoint and having a chance to express myself because I've always been better at the written word versus speaking because, you know, anyone who's been at a conference by the end of that week, you are done. <laughs> you don't know what words are. You don't know what your voice is. Um, but it's, it's, had a, it's a chance to get the message out there yeah. and get it in front of people that, you know, even if they don't have monetary help, they believe in what you're doing, they will support you. And it's just been it's been an amazing journey. You know, I got a chance to do this when um, Lee Alexander gave me a chance to write for Offworld mm -hmm. about my fa favorite video game franchise. For those not aware, I'm a huge Dragon Age nerd. Um, and I got a chance to write about it, but write about it in a critical way that, you know, it was hard to do because it's a series I love, but it has a lot of failings. Mm. And, and to have those deep dives, um, you know, with Polygon writing about Watch Dogs 2 and things like that. Yep. So these are games that I love, but I want the art to to improve i want yeah. the art to get better yeah what are, what are some of the things that you feel are still kind of not there yet uh in terms of diversity in terms of representation and where um, and where are some of the folks that you've seen kind of kind of get some some kudos and do some good work in the space um i think we're we're not there in, in being able to have a a productive dialogue because if you look at the comment sections of any article having to do with racing games, yeah. I know, I know what you're going to say. You, like, see the Cthulhu just walk <laughs> into the room. Yes. Um, or even if you just mention race, and that's not the, the crux of what you're talking about. Right. Um, you know, Yusuf Cole and I just had an article that came out yesterday in Waypoint talking about the way that black skin is not lit well in games. It was fantastic, too. That was a wonderful piece. You saw all this. Um, but the comments, though, the comments. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, you know, when you can't even have a productive discussion about something that is clearly important to the two black folks who wrote this article, and you go, oh, you're race baiting or whatever, or we can't have a game like Watch Dogs 2 or Mafia 3 without, you know, cries of quote-unquote blackwashing. I'm serious. Someone really was legit claiming it was blackwashing between that and Battlefield 1. Look, I know it's not a thing. I'm so, I'm so, <laughs> if you can actually define what a race bait is... I'm still trying to figure that one out, my damn self. I still don't know what that is. <laughs> so, yeah, so, I mean, those are the things in which we're trying to have these next-level conversations that everyone wants right. to go, oh, but games are art, games are art. But to call it truly art, we need to be up here. But the general public, depending on your the way you think, you could be here or you could be here. Right. So, you know, if you don't want to engage with something, go, this is not, you know, this may not affect me personally, but I can't even hear someone who's looking at a game like Mafia 3 and having that moment of finally somebody who looks like me. Right. Or seeing Watch Dogs 2, it's like, he's a black nerd. Oh, shit. I'm a black nerd, too. Yeah. Um, you know, if you can't even have that moment and that empathy, we got a long way to go. Yeah, yeah. What are some of the folks that are kind of getting it right? Because we, we talked about, you know, we have some of the folks who are, we know who are not getting it right. But yeah. there, there are a couple folks who are doing okay. I don't think anybody's doing well. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's real. Nobody's doing well yet. I think there are some people who are doing okay. Yeah. Who, who are some of those folks? What do you think? Um, you know, I got to give kudos to Hangar 13 and 2K from Mafia 3, um, especially considering that they did not have a lot of black folks on the staff. No. 
Um, so they did their work. They did their research. I actually went to a talk by William Harms, and he went through all the research they did to get it right. Yeah. And, you know, if you do your work, it shows. Um, and Watch Dogs 2, which was a total reversal from the original game. I've said this publicly. I have no shame in saying this. I hated the first Watch Dogs so much, I took it back the next day. Yeah, I did. I took it back because it was based in Chicago. My city does not have green rolling hills. <laughs> um, and also, but also, the protagonist was the most unlikable person I've ever met in a video game. And, you know, I have had to be the white dude that I will never understand. But I have a limit. And Aiden Pierce was beyond that limit, so he had to go. Um, but, you know, in a reversal of fortune, I'm going to give Ubisoft credit for that because they learned. And now we have Marcus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they they talked about um, bringing in some folks to kind of help them, you mm-hmm. know, formulate that story in some ways that actually gave it some some actual weight and actually like talked about that, and that was that was cool to see. They learned. I think they heard, you know, people like us talking about <laughs> some of that stuff. Some of that stuff. Um, there's a lot of folks in here who are maybe even new to the industry. If you know, if you are, welcome to the industry. That's dope that you're here. Um, do you have any advice for, for folks who, you know, maybe want to help do some of the work that you're doing in their, in their spaces or want to help kind of share, uh, the ability to, to let other folks know that we're all in here doing some dope stuff. So, so let, let folks know what they can do for that. Stuff um, if you, whether you're new to the industry, mid-career, senior, but especially if you're senior, be visible, go to GDC, go to talk, go give talks. If you're in a position to do so, offer mentorship. And not just, this is the industry. This is, no, this is how it is to be a black person in the industry. Right. Let's, you know, because there's a difference between let me help you advance your career and this is how to survive at a studio when you are one of few black folks, brown folks. So there is affinity mentorship that you can do, but also this is how to advance. Um, you know, reach out to other people. Let If you find that there is an affinity group in your studio, like Xbox says, Blacks in gaming, Latinos in gaming, LGBT in gaming. If there's not one at your studio, try to start one. Let people know that they are not alone. Yeah. Um, find other black folks on Twitter. We exist. Black Twitter's a thing. Um, but also, you know, see Google search. And I don't mean that facetiously. There is blackgamedevs.com. There is I Need to Burst Games. Spot on me has a lot of dope folks on. Search the people that are talking about this and having these folks on and going, oh, I saw you on this podcast. Let me look into you and reach out like, hey, I'm in the industry too, or I'm new, and it's like, hey, I could, I could use somebody to talk to you, or can I ask you a question? Do not be the person who wants to have a cup of coffee and pick someone's brain and not pay them for their time. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is not the way to do it. Um, but if, or if you find the other black person at your studio, find them and become their friend. Um, and let them know that they're not by themselves. And, you know, read articles when it comes out. When you see something that's really cool... Share it with other people and go, hey, you know the thing we brought up in a meeting that you didn't think was important? Here's someone external who had the same issue. Look at this. Mm-hmm. Who are the folks that you're paying attention to on the media side as far as, like, when you want to read about how the industry is doing on this side of the, on this side of the field, who are the folks you're kind of paying attention to and, and listening to and reading? Um, Yusuf Cole, you, me, you on Twitter. Um, Sharif Jackson, our, our buddy on Spot on Me. I never heard of him. Who does? <laughs> I'm going to tell on you. Uh, but Sharif has a great uh, series called Gaming Looks Good where he looks at games and looks at it from a diverse lens. And he doesn't flinch from it. If y'all messed up, you messed up. Let me tell you why. Um, Charles Webb, who works at Hangar 13, who co-wrote uh, Mafia 3. He's a good dude. Follow him on Twitter. He's awesome. Um, Catherine Cross is amazing. Latoya. How you going to cut me off? I, I like how 
he's like, give me a side eye. Like, you better say Latoya. You better say Latoya. <laughs> you better say Latoya. But Latoya Peterson, who's right <laughs> here, who I've been shamed into naming next, like she wasn't on my list. <laughs> Rikashi Edwards, who's awesome. Word, word. Um, where's Robert? I don't know if Robert's around. Yeah. Robert left. We were, we weren't enough for him. Uh, <laughs> I'm messing with you, Robert. Cat uh, Small, who's amazing. Brooklyn Gamery. Game Devs of Color in June. Uh, Natasha. So, there, all these dope. <laughs> what? <laughs> but it's good shit, though. It's good shit. Uh, my friend, Simply Andrea, who brings a lot of cool stuff to Twitch streaming and is one of the reasons that I stay in it because she's cool. Um, you spawn on me, nah. our friends, uh, brother Dom over at, uh, yes, I am totally blank on the name of their podcast. <laughs> eh, oh yeah. I just forgot it too. Uh, brother Dom on Twitter yeah. started podcast because he saw other people going to do it. Gay yeah. Memphis. I could probably be here for a whole 40 minutes listing out people. This follow me on Twitter. I will tweet back at you people to follow. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, any diverse games is now in what year again? We are going on year three. Year three, year three. What What is going to be the future? What are the things that you're trying to, to hit next? What are the things you're trying to, to get um, accomplished? I would like a physical location where we can do things, host events. Um, I would like to have a fund where we can send people to GDC aside from getting the passes as part of the scholarship program. Um, I'd like to be able to send someone to like PAX or somewhere to show their game, like um, Games for Change or other events where it's like, I want to go, but I don't have the money. And, you know, getting to show your game somewhere is really, really important. Yeah. Um, so things where it's like somebody just needs a little economic boost where we can go, here's a couple hundred bucks. And sponsoring things. Um, we actually sponsored VectorConf last year. And yes. um, they reached out this year. It's happening again in April for those folks that can go. So trying to sponsor them again and, and do what we can. It's like, you know, it's not much, but here's like a couple hundred bucks. Here's a hundred bucks. Or, you know, we sponsored 10 tickets to Game, game Developers of Color mm-hmm. in June. Um, so things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I know we're going to leave a little bit of time open for any questions if folks have them. Um, again, Tanya, I love you. You do such amazing work and you are definitely making this space better for all of us. Um, if folks have any questions, please just shout it out and we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully get that answered for you. Oh boy. (laughs) Well, no, it's funny because Andrea's going to laugh. Um, so now because Andrea's done this, we know someone who did. So there, there, so there's not a really positive way to answer this. I'm sorry, but there are a lot of people who are finding that they see where you are, but they don't see the work you put into it or they want to go, but what's special about you? Why do you get to go do X, Y, Z? Why do you get to write for Polygon or go to conventions? And you can either go, you know, all that, that two and a half years that you didn't know me, that's all the work that I put into it. It's not like I woke up yesterday and Polygon's like, here, write an article. Or Waypoint's like, sure, we'll take whatever you want. Um, I think it's making people realize that there is a lot of work that comes before this, this moment where you're public. Um, but also reminding them that, you know, one, if you go out here and act a fool and talk about, well, so-and-so ain't anything or, you know, they, what makes them special, we all see you and we all talk and we're going to find you. And then when you have that moment where you're like, oh, I want to do a panel of packs, I want to do whatever, or calling yourself a media guru. Um, look, it's happened in the last 24 hours. Um, yeah, I'm salty. I thought y'all knew. <laughs> um, 
you know, you can either try to have that back channel conversation and go, look, this isn't a good look. I'm trying to help you. And they go, oh, well, you got yours. I don't have to listen to you. It's like, no, I have been where you are and you are not helping yourself. You are tanking yourself before you get anywhere. So you can have that conversation. And if someone's receptive and they listen, you can help them out. And you can go, look, this is where I was at. This is where I started and remind them of the journey and hope they listen. If they don't listen, there's not a lot you can do for them. They're going to get out there. They're going to make a fool of themselves. And then they're, they'll either be mad at you because you did the work and you earned where you are, or they'll fall back and go, well, nobody wants to mess with me now. I guess I'm just left out. I mean, and that's harsh. I know it's harsh, but if, if people miss the movement and they don't want to come along and, and collaborate, or they want to go, I want mine, forget you, there's not a lot you can do for those people. Anyone else have any other questions for Tanya? What kind of a protagonist have you not seen in a game that you would like to see? Um, I would like a black chick who lives to the end of the game. <laughs> um, but also someone who is a well-rounded character who's not like, you know, somebody's like, you know, cast off ex-girlfriend, some ex, some ex-hooker, or some tragic quote-unquote hood backstory that gives her a reason for whatever she's doing. It's like, you know, let her be a nerd. Let her go to college. Let her, like, have life, have kids if that's her thing. And have somebody who's a well-rounded character. And that's why I like Marcus so much, because he's a nerd. I'm a nerd. You know, he's excited over a stupid movie coming out. I get excited over stupid movies coming about. But I'd also like to have black women in the lead. You know, as much as I love Mafia 3 and Watch Dogs 2, that's two black dudes in the lead. There was a game with two black women in it. I was not a fan. I'm just going to say that now. It was called Virginia. But it was also nobody black that worked on the team. And it showed. Um, so I would like... Black women out there, written well, if it's not written by a black woman, voiced by a black woman, people that have done the work. Because when that game comes out, we can tell. Because you can tell right away <laughs> when you find a black character that was not written or, or black folks were not involved in any way, shape, or form. Do you think we could benefit from collaboration between black female horror and science fiction writers providing the premises for the type of games that you're talking about? Is there sufficient collaboration that you see now, should there be Definitely, because writing is, is the important part of the game that often gets pushed to the side. A lot of times the writing comes in after they have decided the plot, decided the genre, decided whoever. The writing should come first or at the same time as concept, and there's incredible value of, of collaborating with those people that are not quote-unquote in games, because if you want to make a horror game and you have a horror writer, that's going to make it a stronger experience for the player. There's definitely strength for that. What do you think mainstream media coverage could do to be a little bit more, a lot more, uh, inclusive, a lot more understanding of the race issues that are in gaming? Stop covering Trump. <laughs> I love you, Kyle. Love you. I take back any bad thing I said about you. <laughs> what does that mean? I need that mean face. Like, mm. <laughs> um, you know, think about who it is you're having to cover games. Um, so when Mafia 3 came out, I, I was not shy about saying, one, I don't care what white folks have to say about this game. I don't care. Your feelings can be hurt because this game is not about you. This is about a black man's journey in 1968. But also think about who it is you're reaching out to. Have people who have had that experience to, to cover the game and not just the race aspect, not just the, oh, you're black and the character's black so you can write about that. Because I would like to write about Street Fighter. I would like to write about other things besides racing games. Uh, but reach out, even if you don't have black folks on your staff, reach out to freelancers and go, we want this perspective about this game because I know that I as a white dude, I as a white woman can't touch that side of it. 
Um, but when Mafia 3 came out, there was a rock, paper, shotgun review in progress. That came, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Um, that came out, and the person who wrote it was a, a white British dude. And he was tired and exhausted of hearing the N-word because he'd mainlined Luke Cage. And look, look. I, I, I had one of those 6 a.m. I'm angry Twitter rants that, you know, eventually has got me here. But... <laughs> But it was just like, one, it's not even a whole review. Did you not play the whole game? Two, I'm sorry that you get to be exhausted of hearing this word. I don't get to do that. I have not got to do that in my 40-plus years on the planet. And B, or I'm sorry, C, why is it that this is you, – you get to have this opinion and you have immediately thrown that out? Because he also thought the disclaimer at the beginning of Mafia 3 about this game does not hold back on race. If, if you are sensitive, if you can't hear the – end n-word if you can't hear certain slurs that would have been endemic in 1968 don't play this game because your feelings will be hurt but mafia 3 warned you and they're like the game would also not be the same experience without it and he thought that was just uncalled for and unnecessary and basically look we're on the same page we're on the same page um you know but that's the kind of stuff where a black reviewer a person or a person of color is going to go no, I, I got you. I understand why you're doing this because I know why you're warning people. That warning's not for me. It's for the other folks who are playing this game. And clearly you don't think it's important. Because I can tell you, if, if I didn't have that disclaimer, even I knew what was coming. Mm-hmm. I knew, I mean, I've studied history, all these other things. I knew what was coming. And I still got my feelings hurt playing this game. <laughs> it's like, look, somebody called me boy once and I forgot I was in a rich white part of town and beat this dude down <laughs> in the game. <laughs> And then I forgot that I was on stream, and I started cussing. So, um, but you know, it's 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 good people whose experience matches what the game is trying to, especially in the case of Mafia Three Watchdogs, yeah. because we're gonna have a perspective white reviewers not, right. and hire more black folks actually at publications because Evan Arcee's left Kotaku. Right. So there's, I know. Yeah, sure, right. So there's maybe ten folks I could name, and they're not all full time writers. You could do the song, the one, two, three, four, five, Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> Um, I think we maybe have time for one more question before we have to let Tanya go. Does anyone have one more question before we go? So I'm from the Los Angeles area. Mm-hmm. Are there? Do you guys have like chapters that you guys try to have completely involved in? Um, not yet because I am one person, and unfortunately, I have not figured out cell division. Um, but if you would like to start an LA chapter, I will be happy to talk to you. Because what I'm trying to do is branch out. Because I get inquiries about UK chapters, other things like that, and it's like. You know, as much as I hate the word branding, I do kind of want to have the same universal message as it spreads out. So if anyone is in here and wants to start kind of a I Need Diverse Game sell where they are, come let me know. Dope, dope. Everyone give a wonderful round of applause for Tommy to pass, please. All right, everybody, settle in. Thank you so much for coming back for session two of the Fireside Chats. Um, we are joined with... One of my favorite people in the industry, you have been doing so many amazing things for, gosh, what's it been, two decades at this point? Two to half my life. Two decades or so, you've done stuff with, gosh, let me read some of the stuff off. You worked on the Madden franchise, you've worked at Game Trailers TV, you've done stuff uh, for the IGDA, uh, IGDA, I'm sorry. Uh, you've been working there as the executive dec- director of the uh, Academy of uh, Arts and Sciences. You've done so many amazing things in the industry. How do you keep up with how fast things are going, how much things are changing, how many things are you have hats for. 
what is going on with you currently at GDC this year? Just let folks know what's been going on. Okay, that's a lot of questions. That was it was a multiple compound question. Um, well, games are identity mm-hmm. for me. Um, a lot of people here, people of color, diverse in all sorts of ways. Um, the reason I got into games or why I identify as a gamer uh, is because of rule sets. Huh. And um, inside the game space, they're actually fair rules, rules by which you all play. Um, outside of the game space, many of you probably experience differing sets of rules as you navigate challenges and interact with society and culture, with your family, so forth and so on. Yeah. So it's just very powerful for me to be able to reside inside of games. Huh. And I've manifest that in many different ways, but it'll always be games, like yeah. for life. Um, how do I navigate? Uh, uh, I guess as an aesthetic, um, I am I am motivated by people who want something more. Mm. Okay, and I sort of always have been, and uh, I was uh, set up at a very high trajectory. Like I was, you know, curated black child. Yeah. And so I went to the math camp like everybody. And I got my national math championship. And I went to boarding school. Then I went to Harvard. Yeah. All those qualifying questions you've all experienced. <laughs> I've got an engineering degree from Harvard. So I can say hello, step in <laughs> to begin the discussion. Right. Possibly. Right. Um, and uh, as a gamer, um, well, let me take a step back. The way I broke into the industry, everyone has a breaking in story. Um, the point of going to college for me was to be able to do what I wanted to do. I wanted agency in my own life. Yes. Um, and uh, I was very motivated by games, but I was pursuing an engineering degree. I was an AT&T scholar, and the path was to go work for AT&T. I did not want to do that. Uh, my degree was in water treatment. And um, that's where you learn to make the dirty water into drinkable water. Yeah. Hydrology. Also not for me. <laughs> um, and, um, and so I actually got my first job, um, TLDR, by cold call. I cold called all the people in the credits for uh, NHL hockey at their desk from my dorm room. <laughs> Hi, That's my name's awesome. Gordon Bellamy. Click. Hi, I love your game. Click. Hi, I love NHL. Click. Hi, click. Because um, I was, of course, calling up and down a hallway, right? Like literally ringing phones up and down a hallway. Um, by coincidence, I got down to special thanks, right? And I didn't know I was F special thanks. Um, <laughs> and uh, there's a guy named Jim Simmons who was an external developer, didn't know what that was. Um, call the name, Jim Simmons, guy picks up, says, hey. I'm like, hey, <laughs> I'm Gordon. <laughs> and he doesn't hang up. And, um, and I was like, I'd love to be a part of what you're doing, very passionate about it. I identify as gamer. He's like, well, you can become an entry-level tester. You can get out here over spring break. No promises is what is. Um, so I saved up my money, got a plane ticket out to EA, all in. Wow. Tester test, yellow pad, cartridge in me. Lakers versus Celtics. Yes. Yes. That's what I said. Yes. Because it could have been some populace or something. that was like, <laughs> I don't know what's broken in populace. I don't know. It's all broken. Right? And so, so by good fortune, um, the, uh, the game aligned with my identity. And, uh, and that gave me an opportunity to participate, become a summer intern. I was EA's Global Rookie of the Year. Because, as you know, when you're black, you have a job, you can't go home, 9 to 5, watch Scandal, you got to work, right? <laughs> so, um, and then I had the opportunity to design Madden football. So I was lead designer of Madden football. Yeah. If you remember 96, the players turned black. Players turned black. Um, uh, then we had a startup, learned where I was in the food chain, called Z-Axis. Uh-huh. 
as creative director of that. I want to pause you on that on that oh, Madden sure. thing really quick because that's that's interesting. What was that conversation like? Was, oh, was that the thing that was like, hey, everybody? Oh, I'll tell you. I'm sorry. Oh, God, it's black history. It's awesome. <laughs> so here's what happened. Um, <laughs> the players can only be one color. Yeah, yeah. You know, limitations of palette. Old school days. And it turned out that, like, statistically, I don't know, like 57, 58% of the players in the NFL are black. Mm-hmm. You got to research it, though. It's not default information. <laughs> and so, yeah, I went into a meeting with, like, a black Brett Favre, whatever. <laughs> Oh, you know it was painful, right? You know people will be like, yeah. but what about Joe Montana? Right? He is taupe now. Right? How did exactly. we do this? No, no, he was like zero zero one. if you guys have that sort of – you're with me. You're with me. Um, and, uh, yeah, but it's hard to argue the facts, right? Because you wouldn't want right. to deny, you know, right. all whatever percentage of the people, their identity, right? That'd be weird. Right. Right? Agreed. And it did contrast with the field really well. Huh. So uh, being totally inclusive, right, when you have different kinds of weather – Right? Yeah. You need something that's different than grass or even like a sand or snow. Yeah. Black. Interesting. I mean, I mean, it's one, of, it's one of those weird things that you don't think about in terms of, well, like the practicality of making characters who look like other people because they are actual people in those places. Or characters who look like you. Right. Because I remember like Pele was red when I played Montari. <laughs> right? So it was actually very, it was actually a very visceral experience to actually you know, know that you can exist in these virtual worlds. Like Lieutenant Aurora, like Star Trek. Yes. That you exist in the future. Yes, yes. Was the conversation something that was kind of um, uh, one where there was a lot of pushback? Or was it something uh, that folks were like, oh, that makes sense? No, it is incredibly progressive. <laughs> but, what, we think going somewhere else? No, it's all good. No, okay. It's all good. Okay. No, and um, so that, that uh, started a studio called Z-Axis. Yes. We sold to Activision. That's the Bubble 1.0. That was really great. And then moved to L.A., Ran the trade orgs, worked for a company with HQ. Yep. Um, helped my friends start Infinity Ward back in the day. Yeah. Um, what else is neat? Oh, Matt, just Infinity Ward. You oh, I went to China. I worked for Tencent for a bit. How was, how was working overseas? It was great. Right? It was like working for the New York Yankees. It's a very <laughs> big organization. Very big, very powerful things. We had a, a company party in a soccer stadium. I'd never experienced something like that. As you can imagine, there weren't very many African-American gay people in this Chinese organization. I'm sure. It's very powerful. <laughs> I had my head rubbed. Hadn't had that, had that happen recently. Oh. What? Is that not familiar with people? No, is that not? Oh, sorry. Too soon? Okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, that's, their stock that's, market is worth this, that, and the other. That's, 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 when, okay. I, that's when I channel my wife's like, social worker. So how did that make you feel? Oh. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you want people to, you want to work in an environment where people can be themselves with you. Right, everyone wants that truth. Mm. So, is what is. Oh um, and now I teach at USC. Yes, elite program trying to help elevate a new generation of designers. Um, and I'm with a VR startup called The Wave. We're launching democratizing live music in VR. Wow. And uh, running GGP thanks to Microsoft through a great event last night to celebrate inclusiveness. It's very powerful. GGP is amazing too. Um, and uh, just try to treat others well and be here. Be here with y'all, sharing the same voice you're in right now. So, so how has your GDC been? Like, what's what's a week for you look like in this in this space now, where it's like you come in, maybe hang out with some folks, or are you looking at other games to kind of pull uh, information uh, in? Not or? Out or I'm not really that. I guess I'm more people focused at this point than product focused. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone who's been around for a minute knows products come and go, but your narrative journeys actually revolves around people and how you move with them. They may have products and projects, but it's people. So whether it be people. It's age of my career who are like halftime looking at that second half, yeah, right? Or people who are emerging trying to break in who are just trying to get that access. It's like this. I mean, this is incredible. This didn't exist, <laughs> okay? 
Blacks and Gaming. Blacks and Gaming in like '95. What, what, did, what did that look like? Blacks and Gaming in '95. What was that it version would be like? Like, uh, God, there was one guy in EA, Tony Barnes, before me, little Black History, Tony Barnes. We, if we saw each other in the hallway, that was Blacks and Gaming at EA. Um, true story. This is actually funny. I don't know if it's funny or not. But the um, back then, there were like the big rivalry. I, it's sort of gone away now because games are so dispersed. Back then, the Sega was our rivalry, Sega Sports. Mm. And we, God, we were like, oh, Sega Sports, they're the worst. They're the worst bad people. Ah, Who would ever? Why would you ever? There were black people there too. We never knew them. <laughs> because they, you know, we would yeah. mix. Um, back then, actually, sort of funny, because, I, because there were no black people. Talk about black stuff. It's awesome. Um, I decided to try to democratize being on Team Madden. Hmm. Because the way you got on, on back in the day was if you were mall nearby if you had access like physical access to foster city california huh. then you could work there but not many people have access to foster city california you could just jet out to take a test right right so um we put on the internet we actually put our emails in the manual i don't know if you remember we, I, I remember we that. had emails in the manual and so we were like and we were on the list serves and we're like if you want to be the best if you're feeling this yeah submit to us no rules no rules just show us that you want it more than anybody else um, and we formed Team Madden, and uh, that team of like of like eight, who two of them were black, yeah, went on to do uh, Microsoft Fever, NFL Blitz, wow. Madden College. Uh, wait, I said Microsoft Fever, the, the Microsoft one, right? Uh, God, remember when they had the black football game? Uh, BCFX. Yeah, yes. that one. That was uh, amazing. That was a really cool experience. That was really cool. God, one. Fox Sports. Yes. Like all of like they're all the same eight. Now the guy who runs tops digital's it tops. It's all the same eight. Yeah, wow. because of the free market. Like when you give people like this access to opportunity. Yeah. Right. Then people who have that internal mechanism can propel themselves forward. Yeah. Yeah. What are what are some of the holes that you see currently that need some 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 work and trying to see about getting people in places where they can feel comfortable and also kind of let the things that are genuinely them shine through their work. Do you feel like there are some oh. places that, that, that need some, some fixing on that side? Well, uh, well it's like this. Um, how does this community persist outside of this event? Right. Right? And how do you, you know, be a useful resource, someone you can call at three times when you're either trying to figure something out, trying to not get fired, trying to get promoted, yeah. trying to be creative, whatever, yeah. whatever your yeah. sort of narrative journey is. Yeah. Right? Um, move to a new city. Yes. That's a big thing. As a developer, oftentimes now, the expected narrative is you're going to live in multiple cities over the course of your career, which is a big thing mm -hmm. as an adult. Yep. Right? You might have kids. You might have a dog. Might, whatever. Right? Um, I think that having – God. So I I went to Harvard. So we have lots of resources designed to help us cultivate. So before I even went looking companies, I went on my alumni directory, said video games, and actually gave me a list of every single person huh. in video games who went to Harvard. It's always there. Network at college. Yeah. Before yeah. we yeah, before we got before we even got in it, yeah. like it was designed for us to be around to sustain careers and to be able to visualize that would be in it. Huh. Right? It's not as easy um, if you think of being uh, African American or African whatever sure. to identify a career path where you can go like, Oh, there's someone who's at year five or year ten or year twenty right. who sees that as a positive qualifying question. Yes. And sees my success as their success, right? Right. The same way that if I go to Harvard, oh, well, you went to Harvard. What what house were you in? <laughs> right. We have we have a whole opening gambit 
about elevating and supporting each other yeah. throughout our careers, um, even through the companies, right? You worked at EA. Who didn't work at EA, right? You have a story. What did you work on? It, we, right. we do it all the time. We treat each other very well. Yeah. Aaron, I've seen Aaron a million times, right? You know, you can talk. What's up, right? Um, we, if you don't have access to that institutional wealth, yes. well, then you're only, like I was talking to someone about it, you're business card rich. Like, you might have a card for a moment, like a hot card. <laughs> you worked on no man's sky. You worked on whatever. But you don't have the wealth of this craft. Right. And so I'd just say for black people, it'd be like, how do you, it'd be simple making a directory, really. It was someone, like, organized enough to make a directory. Mm-hmm. Right? Everyone knows. Yeah. That people would just in the habit, get in the habit of calling on each other. Yeah. Have events like this. Like have it one a quarter so you could plan your life around it. You know what I mean? Because this might not be the quarter you need it. But next quarter, you might need this. Uh, yeah. you're like, God, I wish there was a recruiter talking to me. Right? Yeah, exactly. We have, Real we talk. have someone no, coming it's up. Fan, that. No, yeah, it's fantastic, truth. right? Yeah. But if you could plan around it, then yes. you could actually, you know, yeah. whatever, regionalize it. You know, all things are reduced access. But I would say, first thing, there's no directory. Mm. There is no way to simply see black people. And just, you're, you're discovering me. Right, I've been around 20 some years, right? And it's not ego surfing, it's just, I don't know, you should, it's actually easier to find. Yeah. And there's lots of people like me. I've discovered stories everyone I meet, and you'll be like, oh, by the way, I'm the baller boss of this, that, and the other. And I'm still like, that's fantastic. Right. I don't have access to you in any sustainable way. Yeah, I mean, we had the, the we talked about that a little bit earlier with um, Cat Small having the game dev, uh, black game dev site that's up and stuff. But I feel like there's a, even a secondary part wait, of Wait, 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 slow down. Tell us more. I want to what? So Cat Small, who uh, she's from Brooklyn Gramery, she's done amazing work. She's made a whole bunch of games. She was also with Code Lib. She helped found Code Lib. Um, she and we we have all had this conversation. This, uh, myself and, and Tanya and some other folks who um, have talked about you know how we share the information, how we let people know that we are here. Um, and she decided that she wanted to get some folks together uh, and and make a site and say here are all the folks. Just here are here's a list of names. Of people What's the website? Research. What is it? Black Game Devs. What is it? Black Game Devs. Dot com. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So that's a, that's. A, I mean, Wait, that's does a everyone reason. know this? It could be me. I could just, I could age out this stuff and be like, it's on Snapchat. I don't know. Is it a <laughs> BlackGameDevs.com? Yeah, BlackGameDevs.com. It's a directory. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. But is the, everybody in here who who signs up for this today in it? No. How do we How do we bridge that? That's okay. There's that's, my right. Exactly. Stop my thing. Right. We could be done if you just stop and just list everybody in this room on that site. <laughs> Then we would have done something super meaningful, right? You got forty volunteers in here from Microsoft, right? Yes. Like real talk. Yeah. We and you have a that's like a KPI. It's true. True. I mean, I, you can I, share with Microsoft too. All good. We we need to do some work together. Aaron. We need we need to figure this out. We need to figure this out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I would also reverse it. What blocks of gaming Facebook? Right. Reverse it. You're Microsoft. Super smart. Rip it out. Someone could have some intern click on every name. What they do, they don't have to vote. You can opt in. You don't have to opt in to being black. They're black. Click. <laughs> <laughs> what? Am I being facetious? No, but the information is public, right? Right? No, no, I love. That's the, re- the reason. That's the reason why I love you. Because okay. you, you are, you will not front. You were like, no, you get that stuff, you get that information and block that stuff out. People be of great value. It'd be like this website. Is, yeah. is that not, what, uh, what's the purpose of the website? Oh, I'm sorry, pointing. I'm sorry, pointing. You, because no, I thought no. you were giving the info. I thought it was. I, I, no, no, no. Anya is a leader. I assumed it was yours. <laughs> that was a false assumption. I didn't know. It was literally just because they were like, I don't know who was here, and I need, so I need a who list. Who didn't of know? I, what, what? Yeah, it was that. Con- yeah, it was the conversation about the conversation started in. We don't. There are. Uh, there's a call for black devs 
to be visible and to be seen. Called by who? Uh, myself and, and. So you is you. I didn't do it, but who I'm trying it? to help do it. Cat Small did. No, she left. Is they here? No, she left. Cat left. Cat left. Oh, okay. Cat left. She stepped out. Whoops. There's a real problem. But there's no. It's a real talk, right? It's the the history, right? She's she's writing the history book, right? That's a history book, essentially. The closest thing to if I want to take a temperature, right now, black game does. Seems that seems fair. Sure. Reasonable. Sure. If she's not able to accrue the information when all the blacks are in one place. Or whatever. Let's not all the blacks. The 99th percentile of blacks who have access to GDC, who can afford to be here and stay here. Whatever. A useful sample. Well, I'll t- I'll, you know what? I'll, ta- I'll take that because that's that's my job as media and as a person with that media platform. I'm doing a bad job on that. No, 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 no. I'm not trying to bring. No, no, I'm not I know, trying, no, no, I know. Don't even no, go there. You no, got a site. There was used to be zero sites. You got a thousand percent of the sites. <laughs> I need a thousand point one. Thank yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> but well, because then you could have metrics. You could actually measure growth. That's that's you that's important. See, you could actually support people as they navigate the bumpy roads and be like, you're not un- you're you're underemployed, not unemployed, <laughs> right? If you actually have resources, agreed. agreed. Otherwise, being black is not an asset. And if, if it's not an asset, well, then it's something you need to squash and look to other strengths, and you need to join the other club, whatever that may be, the trait which is affirmative for you sure. to move forward in your career, which is okay. Sure. No wrong reason to be successful. I mean, I think that that's a part of the conversation, too, is how do, you know, we as uh, consumers of, of the medium and also people who are trying to make the, make, make the games that we are hoping to see, you know, how do we also try to uh, have folks come in and let f- folks know who are, not of that, who are not in that circle that our community is one to invest in? When you say our community, which one do you mean? I mean, all the uh, people of color, marginalized folk. But do you, okay, I'm sorry. I'll be super IGDA-ish. Sure. Do you mean developers, people who create games, people who distribute and share games, communicate? Aaron. Right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you code that much, but you're super important. Right. I know I'd have you on the committee, right? Because right. you get shit done, right. and we'd be moving forward. Right. But he's not necessarily a dev, per se. Sure. Or like all those, nowadays, a whole new generation of all the Twitch people and the YouTubers that are sure. critical. Which is also which is also a spot where you don't see a lot of POCs in that in that spot that are actually getting any any kind of spotlight as well. Well, actually, I want to I want to sample that because actually I don't know. No. Aren't there famous no famous black Twitch? Very few. YouTube no. Very very few. There's a couple. Like, is, it, is it literally that lean? Like is it like TwitchCon like, is lean? Like there's a couple like 2017. They're, they're, they're at the conference, but they are not given first billing. They're not. They're not getting that. That first in all the advertisements that I oh, see, so I never see them. Gotcha. Yeah, and that to me is oh. problematic. Where mm. well, it's, ha- it's actually systemic. It's well, yes, uh, yes, yes. That's true. That's very, very true. <laughs> they don't very, move very tickets. Oh no. And and now, right? That's oh not good. no, right? I can't have you. I can't have you. I can't have you headline my thing because you, you know, the chat gets toxic when you get online. Is it that there's no like? Okay, wait. Who is okay? I'm sorry to be. No, I'm no. not even. I just some real. Just right. We're all black. We can talk black things. Is that yeah. cool? I mean, we're all black inclusive, adjacent, allies, all that stuff. Yeah. Well, you don't know people's lives. Oh, wait. No, real talk. You don't know people's lives. True. Their children could be black. Their partners are black. Their, you true. know, true. cousins, parents, you don't know. So we'll all be black for a second. Yeah. Who's the most famous black YouTuber or Twitch star? MK. Who? And, and Marcus uh, MKBD, who does tech stuff on YouTube. That's the one. That's the first person I think of when I think of black tech. Okay, I just want to get stuff. a consensus here. Who's heard of Trihacks? Raise your hand. Or watch them. Ooh, shit. And try, he's screwed. Like, who heard of, who plays? <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. Right? You sort of get it, right? Right. And people like said, who's listened to Beyonce? And all, you're all like, 
<laughs> right? Um, right. So that's an opportunity. Let's call action items, okay? Yes. Microsoft obviously is taking leadership. Thank you, Microsoft. Thank you, Microsoft. No, real talk. No, real for real. Not to belittle anyone else who has not yet expressed themselves this way. Sure. Y'all are doing it right now. Yeah. This is a clear opportunity. Yeah. I would love if next year, next event, whatever, try, try hacks. Yeah. Who's, who's the other one? Uh, MKBD. Is there anybody else? Let's try to save one more life. <laughs> <laughs> anybody. Dick, give me something. Uh, I'm a fan of uh, Wobie Madden and uh, Brennan Williams. Perfect. Uh, that's four. That's a full oh, bucket. Five. That's even that's better. Five. This, this is Absolutely. great. Oh, the wrestler dude. Yeah. yeah. See, yeah. I heard. He's he, he's here too, by the way. Or is he? Is he in the room? No. Damn it, Xavier. <laughs> okay. I, so I, I know who to reach out to next time. I love this. I love this. This is right? dope. It's no different. Right? Talk about my nerd, blah, blah, blah. Read my Wikipedia, blah, blah, my that was I awesome. If I don't, who should I wait on to send it to you? No, who should I wait on? Because I will wait. The point being, <laughs> a tangible opportunity would be this. Yes. You identified five folks. Once again, there's someone in here from Microsoft who's taking notes or filming it. It'd be great. Yes. I think it would be uplifting, tangibly, to see those five people. Yeah. That could be in real life, online. It could be done online. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Doing something where we say they are of value. Mm. Right? I don't even know if they're funny, serious, Yoshi Island, whatever. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Whatever it is that they exist. Right. And thus, if you aspire to even be in this medium that's so critical to success, you will know that. And you put a logo on it too. Gaming for everyone. Perfect. Right? Look at that. Literally, literally <laughs> let them know, right, that others, that they can exist because a light might be shown on them. Yes. Right? Yeah. Ain't that make too complicated? Yeah. Don't have to complicate. I bet a lot of you'll go. I bet more people than you think. Yeah, it's true. Would be like, because. Wait, do they ever do crossover? I'm sorry, I don't mean to sidetrack, but I'm super curious. Do they cross over with each other? Sometimes. They do? Yeah. I bet they do. Collaboration. I bet they, yeah. Collaboration is good. good. So, yeah, we should cultivate that. That's amazing. Yeah. Same thing with developers, right? And it's not like being racist or whatever. It's no. just like that it's, if it's a positive affirmative trait, well, then something you should celebrate is expression. Mm. If it's not, then it's not. Mm. And then you should just be true. Man, <laughs> I, I'm just like stuck right now. I'm just like, oh man. Not my attention. No, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I mean, it's one of the conversations that I wanted to have with you is just like how you think about all these things and how I tell you, I think this is amazing. I guess being present right in this, right? If you're in a luxury swimming pool, you know what it is to be wet. <laughs> and I go like, oh, I'm in this pool right now. This is nice. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, tangible things. Right? right, that I observe through that trends. Right, I want to see the the VR. If we're just doing, let's be once again. It doesn't sure. matter. If we're very topical. It could be queer or Hispanic. All things should be celebrated. Sure. Right. Sure. But if we're trying to cultivate, mm. right, which is different. Yes. Right. If you're trying to create a healthy ecosystem, right, where there is a, you know, not the oh, there's one this year. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> five YouTubers in the universe, some tragic effing stats. Right. If you want to transform that, well, mm. then you have to. It's like a, when I teach. Uh, the young students are all super brilliant, but they're like plants without the little stake you put in. Oh, uh, right. Right? And right. there's an obligation as a, as a teacher to be that stake. Now, they're going to grow the way they grow, but as a stake, you offer them that sort of structure right. to at least start heading in a direction. 
but then they're still gonna, you know, do what they do. Hopefully, feeling free and up in the air. They're yeah. not literally under the ground though, like under like a car tire, yeah. like going the wrong way to start. Yeah. I would offer that um, underrepresented people mm-hmm. uh, thrive when giving opportunity. Agreed on that. Another thing people should do. Oh my god! So there's a list for this. Yeah. Okay. Who's I, taking notes? I, Why are you not taking notes? It's on I tape. I know other people like. I mean, I don't know what the Microsoft is, but okay, Xbox Live, that'd be cool too. But the thing I do like about Facebook yes. is faces. Yeah. And I'll say it's the black people. There's a value to seeing faces like your own because there's a trust, there's a safety, there's a safety in numbers. Look right around this room. You're in a game room where nothing's going to jump off. Period. Right. There's no way. <laughs> Look it. True. Go over GDC. You know you have your moments where you go for something... <laughs> Was disruptive. We've all we've all looked at the exit. I'm not being absurd. I'm not being. No, it's no. That's real. That's honest. And once again, having this feeling of default, Mm. right, is very powerful. It fosters creativity, freedom to iterate, Mm -hmm. which you don't often have when you're other, because you one idea. Well, we tried that. Yep. That didn't test well. And if you mess it up, we're (laughs) never doing it again. Yeah. Right, right. Because we were exploring diversity. Our bad. Yeah, we did that. We, yeah. we explored it. It's over there. Yeah. We, we fixed that. So, um, <laughs> I mean, the most important thing about this event is it's the second year, right? It's third year, second year, second year. It feels second but, year to me. Anyone been here for three years? Yeah. Twelve. No, no, no. Oh, this okay. event. No, no. Like second, like, second, second like fireside. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> but that's important. No, but his point is important too that there are twelve years that shouldn't be paved over in history. Right. And the question I would challenge all you with is if you were to try to find history of those 12 events, I would be a scavenger hunt of a mother. Right. I'll give you all 100 points if you come up with something from each of those 12 events. And that's just in the last 12 years. So the Internet existed. Mm. You know, there were, for the most part, camera phones, but it's not very well curated. Right. So that might be another thing to talk about. Yeah. Preserving history. Yeah. Right. Like, where are the stories told? Where does one even find basic information so that you could discover that there is even a thing to be a part of. A starting point. The, a starting point. Yeah. Right. I know there's a website. They're like, like gaming for everyone. Yeah. Right. Mm. That's a great opportunity. Yeah. Right. To tell stories. To preserve stories. To preserve history of what's going on, whether it be content, mm-hmm. creators, marketers. Yeah. Heck, even the Microsoft people. I, you know, this is the easy thing ever. I would love something. God, if you could see the blacks of Microsoft, they could opt in. Yeah. Privacy rights, affinity or you right, could simply see they existed and see some of the impressive roles, right? I mean, I'll, I'll start right. naming names. Sierra, wherever you're at, exactly. I yep. see you. I didn't know you, but I see you. Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. And there's a, probably a bunch of stories in here. Some loud, some quiet. Some people working real hard couldn't make it to GDC because they, they gotta, gotta, you know, they grind that wheel. Yeah. But there's no. It's hard to. Yeah, ah, well, I mean, it's work, it's, work, well, it's work that we have to do on that end is try to, you know. Well, it's opportunity. But the point is to do something. And this is something which is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. But I wonder when the next thing is. Does everyone know? Let's announce it. When's the next thing? Who knows? We're going to determine that in this room. Okay, go. We're here. Saturday, Awesome. Wait, tell us more. I actually don't know what you mean. A town hall where? A town hall what? It's at 301 Howard. I believe it's like a room. Okay. So Wait, exactly what? what we're talking about now, we did, a, we did an earlier shorter town hall meeting at GDC to talk about these things. We had a round table, and we're going to be doing it 
Awesome. We ain't learned. Who's we? And now okay. we have to figure out how to disseminate that information. No, no, anyway. it's fine. No, but it's getting there because this exists. Yeah. He knows about it. How did you know about it? I went to the roundtable. Ah, access. So, so access opportunity. So there's the access to so persistent knowledge, mm-hmm. right? Because there's a calendar of events. This is great. So great. Blacks and gaming working hard. Logos here. They found Google. So they're making some calls. Google mm-hmm. had something for luncheon, right? They had a whole calendar of events. Yeah. So the question becomes, it's very simple, really. How do people find ongoing information? And who's preserving the history yep. so that blacks in gaming or outside of gaming or after gaming or whatever yeah. know that this even happened, right? You know when you see those historical civil rights things and you go, oh, look, they were all together the whole time, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, you laugh because it's visceral, yeah, because it's real. Yeah. That's why like, oh, that's funny, but it's not totally funny. Like, <laughs> and um, once again, there's an opportunity with these resources yeah. to start to tell a story. Even recording the story means it's a value. Taking pictures filming. Yeah. means it's a value. Now if we know you put here. it up. Yeah, yeah, we will. Somewhere. We'll figure out a way to get that done. And then let people know how to get to it. Oh, yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that. I'll put a firewall. <laughs> we're, we're gonna... What? No, no, it's perfect because it's, it makes, it's, it's simple, but it, makes, it just makes sense. It depends on your intent. Like, it depends. Like, if your intent is to, is to educate. Act, I mean, I, mean, I, would, I, would, hope that, I would hope that that's the, the purpose of what we're all trying to do here today. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool. I can't wait. We, you I, got all better. I mean, it's fantastic. Like, don't, this is amazing. Aaron's up in. I mean, you see it, right? Senior people are here, so there's something going on. Yes. Where at the base level, yes. it is being stated from the highest levels that there is value here. Yes. Okay. Whatever that means, career value, value, just innate value, and that may not be a message you hear 364 the other 364 days. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. But most of the world's online now, so I just want to see the online site. Okay. We got. We got. I got some work to or do. Or mobile. We got some work to do. But we do work. True. True indeed. I, I, I took it down the road. I hope this is uplifting for you. No, it's I don't mean to break down. I, I hope real talk is. I love it. Just, I don't know. We can LinkedIn all day, but I'm just trying to. No, I, no, and that's the re- again. That's the reason why talks like this are important. I okay. Think that having you here and having folks be able to have access to you and have that conversation is valuable in so many numerous ways. Yeah. yeah. And just to be clear, so I, the reason I, I don't say this out hand, so I did this with the gays. Right, gays had the same problem. We were anonymized to each other, didn't know each other, blah blah. And I was like, we need to persist. So we started a Facebook group, so we could just persist. What it means in between events is jobs. Number one thing people need is to eat. Right. Real talk. Uh, second thing is to feel safe after they. Ate. Right? Are you in a safe workplace where you can thrive and move forward? Are you in a dangerous workplace where you will not be able to thrive? Sure. Right. Sure. Then after that's fun. Gifts. Right leisure because you're safe and you can eat uh, no different than any no. community man that is pure dopeness thank you so much because we're we're running a little bit light on time and isn't that ironic we're running out of time people <laughs> running you really no really take it to heart yeah take it to heart live your no, life like I'm right thank you so much that was awesome that was amazing that was amazing so that was the first half. Uh, that was uh, Gordon Bellamy and Tanya DePass. It's always amazing to get the chance to kind of rock with um, folks new and old. Um, Tanya, again, is always amazing and, um, you know, an inspiration to everybody in Chicago because she's the hardest working woman in gaming. Um, and Gordon, Gordon was an interesting interview. Um, I hadn't really had 
um, someone kind of stopped me in my tracks before, uh, with their dopeness. Uh, he has a lot of energy and a lot of, um, just, just knowledge to share with people. Um, and you can tell that he has this fervor about him just in the way that he wants to kind of get out, um, information and share, um, viewpoints and, and, and kind of be that conduit to, to bring people together for action. Um, so it's also amazing just to be in that presence in that kind of scope. Um, uh, and sometimes you get, you get thrown off. It's kind of cool to be able to listen to it again and, and see, um, you know, just sometimes you got to step your own game up when you got somebody who is, uh, powerful in that same space. So, uh, we're going to run to a couple of quick ads, uh, and then we're going to come back and hit you, uh, with our last two interviews, um, from GDC. And we'll be right back after this. I'm Tom Lockney. And I'm Liam Sr. I really like video games and internet culture. And I like movies and TV. And every week we research a true story from our preferred mediums and tell it to the other person. It's super fun and it's great. And even when it gets a little intense, we find the last in it, damn it. Lots of learning, lots of laughter, sometimes bummers, but lots of friendship. Media Majors, every Monday on the Major Cast Network. Obviously, you're somebody who likes great podcasts. After you've listened to Spawn on Me, you should check out More Than Ordinary by Seven Generation Games, where we talk to awesome people who are doing more than ordinary things and occasionally rant and rave about the life of running a video game startup. Or sometimes just life in general. Yeah, that too. More Than Ordinary by Seven Generation Games. Check us out. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, basically anywhere you can get a podcast. Huge shout out to Media Majors and More Than Ordinary. Uh, Definitely check out their podcasts. We always want to share folks doing dope work uh and those folks you know reached out and they were like hey we love what you are doing at spawn on me and we'd love to you know share uh some of what we do with your audience so we always want to make sure that we're um paying it forward and making sure that folks are getting some love by uh everyone in bracago so give them some love uh go check them out let us know what you thought uh shoot us shoot us some uh tweets over on twitter uh and let us know and, and follow those folks and check out more of their stuff um, so we're coming back uh, from the break, uh, and we have two really dope folks, uh, Craig Campbell and Tremel Isaac. Tremel, who I love to death, uh, who is one of the realest cats in the industry, uh, will definitely tell you things straight uh, with no chaser. Um, and Craig, who is like a bounty of knowledge. It's so cool to, to meet people who um, work in spaces that you've always kind of wanted to peek into, and HR is definitely... Uh, one that I've always kind of weirdly been weirdly been interested in, um, and once you're doing it at that kind of level at Microsoft, then you definitely have some cool things to say. Uh, so first up is Tremel. Uh, we're gonna drop some of his knowledge, and then Craig is gonna round us out, and then we're gonna boogie up out of here for episode 178. Much love and peace. So we are lucky enough to have one of my favorite people in the gaming industry. And he laughs like this because he's like, man, you full of crap. Of course. And that's not, but it's not true. I, lo- I love Tramel because Tramel, Tramel has been in the industry for, what, almost 20 years now? A little almost. bit Almost. What are you talking about? Almost, almost 20? No. Over 20? Over 20. Over, over 30? 23, dog. 23 years in the industry. 23 years. 23 years in the industry. He has done and worked on some of the best and brightest. He's worked on some of your favorite games. Gosh, you, you did stuff. Let's see. Let me run down the list. You've worked at Interplay, 3D Realms, Sony Online. Uh, now you are at Boss Key. Yeah. Repping Boss Key and all the folks repping Boss Key, Lawbreakers and all that good stuff that's coming out soon. Um, you are now, my goodness, art director on 
Lawbreakers. Yeah. And um, for folks who don't know about Tramel, Tramel has been kicking ass for numerous, numerous years. Um, let folks know exactly kind of like how you started and, and, and where the foundation of, of of all your work has come to be and, and how you've become the dopest person on the planet. <laughs> dopest on the planet. That was a long journey. Um, I don't think I'm there yet, but I'm working on it. Um, so 23 years uh, prior to that, I went to school for animation. So I started off as an animator. Uh, I animated in the industry for about seven years and then kind of worked my way up. And I started off, you know, animating 2D sprites. It's a little, like Gordon was saying, like everything's palletized. Like back in the day, like making like, you know, you had like a 256 palette and you had, yeah. you know, a certain set of numbers, like the 16 for for UI and other stuff. And then you had another set that you could actually use in the game. So the game was like made with like maybe 120 something colors. <laughs> So it's just super weird, but I was animating with these little sprites, and then I moved on to, um, you know, 3D stuff and texturing and modeling and UI stuff and effects and, you know, kind of did a little bit of everything, and then finally, you know, like like nine years later, I became an art director. Yeah. So been been art director longer than I've been in, you know, for the majority of my industry. Yeah. Career. Yeah. What were, What were some of the folks that when you started to get into the industry were people that you either looked up to or people who you found to be mentors and were able to kind of give you some guidance in, 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 in this, in this industry. Uh, oh, I can't hear you on this. Too. I was like, I don't, I don't really know that answer, dude. Like, honestly, when I got, I never, I've always played video games and played video games since, I mean, everybody knows Pong, right? Right. That was my first so-called game system. When you, everybody's, you know, I, we came home, my mom came home, it was like, oh, no. <laughs> was hours spinning, moving these sticks up and down, like, really? That's the game system? And we, we played the shit out of it. But it was, like, I've been playing that game since, like, I was five. Yeah. So when I got out of school, like, going to school, was playing games doing there, and, you know, going to school as an animator. Um, so being in the game industry was never a plan. Right. Never part of my plan. So when people ask me, like, well, how did you get in the industry? It just happened to fall into the industry because right. I actually wanted to be a 2D animator and make, you know, movies and commercials and stuff like that. And um, I just happened to go to a school that a guy had went to prior and he was, you know, the company he worked for was looking for more animators. Sure. And he was like, hey, go, you know, go talk to the you know people at my school because he'd worked out so well. Yeah. And I was like one of like three animators. Uh-huh. So it was just like everybody else was like, nah, I don't want to move to California. Right. And by the time they got to me, I was like, sure. So it was just kind of like, <laughs> I, I, I want to say it's because my reel was decent, but I mean, I look at my reel now, I'm like, ooh, that was horrible. <laughs> so it was just like the lack of options. <laughs> I happened to be in the industry um, and then I, you know, I took advantage of it, you know, I actually spent a lot of time, you know, trying to be the best at what I did. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you feel like, um, over the years that you have, um, cause you've done numerous games, you've done various kinds of, of design in, in the game. And a lot of time the game is kind of, uh, symbiotic in a way that it both asks for specific kinds of motifs to go along with the game. And also some of those games are the, or some of those art styles come from you know 
things that are either uh, things that you've thought about very deeply and decided that that, my, that style that I bring to the table is something I want to import on the game that I'm hopefully working on. Have you found that you have kind of figured out or, you know, learned what your Tremel Isaac style of art is? Do you feel like there is that kind of thing? Or do you feel like you, you have navigated the space in a way that you can do any and everything that you possibly can do? Nah, dude, it don't work that way. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. Like, I've been, I've been a worker my whole life. Huh. So when you're a worker, you're doing what you're told. Mm. You know, I'm not... I'm not a business owner. I don't run shit. Like, yeah, I'm, I, I run shit inside my own little box. Right. But outside that box, somebody's pulling the strings. Okay. And it's just, it's just the way it is for me at this point in time. Yeah. It's not always going to be that way. Sure. At this point in time, that's the way it is. And that's how it was when I got in the industry. It's like you get a list of things you need to do and you do them. Right. You know, I always said, you know, in order to be a great leader, you have to be a great follower. Mm. So if you can't, follow directions there's no way you're gonna get somebody else to follow you because mm-hmm. you're gonna be leading by that same example yeah you know if i'm like fuck you i'm gonna do whatever i want you know <laughs> this is gonna be you know the the most ross game ever you know like you're gonna, right? di- you gonna have your dylon moment yes yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> so look if I, if I went into every you know job with that in mind, it would become something that it's not supposed to become. Sure. And that's not what they hire you for. You know, right. working on Barbie Dreamhouse, which God forbid I didn't have to work on it, <laughs> then Barbie would be a thought if it was me. <laughs> if it was me. I'm sorry. Come on now. Everybody thinks these things. I just say them. So, again, you wouldn't want me to be put in charge. <laughs> Of what needs to happen in the game. Can someone make him in charge of... <laughs> I'm just Bar- saying. Barbie thought dream house. Exactly. <laughs> it's the best. Oh, I want Straight that in my life, to- and I want it on VH1. I know. <laughs> I need that real bad in my life. Straight to the top of the cellars, Oh, man. sweet Tell baby me. Jesus. So, steam hit. Top You 40. don't even need to green light it anymore. No, That's even dope. That's even dope. Oh, so many. Do, do you feel like you have a chance to kind of, uh, I know you said, that, you know, the, the worker part of you is, 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 is in there. Do you feel like you have a, a version of that where you get to express yourself in, in, in art in other places that you don't get to do in necessarily not, the work you've been doing? I, I mean, I'm, I'm just honest. I'm not actually being 100% honest. There is a, um, there's a little bit of us in every game. Sure. It's, I mean, it's just inevitable. You can't really do anything creative without actually putting something to yourself in there. And like I said, there's there's a, enough room inside the box that I'm given yeah. to do something with it. Well, what's the, what's the what's the most fun that you've had in the ability to kind of check boundaries in some of the games that you've been able to do? Like, what, what's been something that again, no, we're not going to judge you. This is safe space that <laughs> uh, you had to have been able to kind of like you know, this is a thing that we got to push, and and it worked, and and it got into the game, and I'm really proud that that thing uh, got pushed forward. Yeah, I mean, I get to some of the ideas from Fallout and Fallout 2. Um, yeah. Duke Nukem Forever had a lot of that stuff in it. Yeah. We would just, you know, strip club in there. It's so many, <laughs> so many raw, ah, it's so bad. Like the conversations, <laughs> the conversations prior to doing these things are even worse. Like we have some stuff in Lawbreakers that, I mean, obviously none of this stuff ever comes to light, but sure. the conversations prior to them. 
just get out of hand. Yeah. Like, these fools are the worst. <laughs> like, Hunter, the shit that comes out of his mouth is it's disgusting. Love you, Hunter. The most disgusting things. And it's funniest stuff. I mean, it's the funniest stuff I've ever heard. Like, I think because we have fun on, you know, I've had, I had a lot of fun on all the games that I worked on. Yeah. And the most fun that I've had ends up with the best product. Mm. You know, when we were working on Fallout 2, it was just like everybody knew exactly what to do. Everybody knew what the game was. And everybody trusted each other to do the job that they were hired to do. And mm. and everybody had their box to play in. Um, and it came out great. Like, we made that game in 18 months. Huh. And, you know, with Lawbreakers, the same thing. You know, we get the opportunity to just fuck around all day. Yeah. And... You know, most for the most part, people are like in there doing their job and, you know, getting good ideas in there mm-hmm. and, you know, playing inside the box that they allowed to play in. Yeah. What's what's the what's the coolest part about being an art director? Like what's what's the what's the most fun that you get to do in that in that job scope? Because you so you always talked about we had we had you on the show. You talked about a little bit of um how how crucial it is to build a really good team. Yeah. And, and what, what's been some of the, the, the perks of being able to have that role and then have a good team that you've sourced uh, and brought up and been able to kind of help them push things through? It's, um, I mean, at the end of the day, like, my job is to make sure that I, that I build the proper team for the, for the product that we're trying to build. Sure. In addition to that, you know, I want everybody that leaves, because everybody's eventually going to leave. Right. You know, there's no, you don't hire a team and you expect everybody to be a lifer. It's not going to happen. Right. When people leave, the expectation for me is that they've actually learned something. Mm. They're actually a better artist for it. And hopefully at the end of it, they're a better person for it. Right. And they've learned something from me that they can take to the next job and it's something that they can't take away. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't want anybody to leave with any negative experience or any bad ill will toward me, you know, because the industry's way too small, right? So, yes. <laughs> you know, my, my job is to make sure that I cultivate them and bring as many people in as I possibly can and make sure that I set them up for success. Mm-hmm. And then in turn, when they leave, they can talk, you know, about how I affected their, their life in a positive way. Mm-hmm. So that's really my whole, that's how I get up in the morning. Like, yeah. I don't want anybody to feel like they're wasting their time. If they're wasting their time, or if I'm wasting my time, then what's the purpose of it? Right, right, right. Uh, a, a really cool thing that I love to hear you talk about is, I'm sure as an art director, you have a lot of folks who roll up on you, like, you know, the mixtape versions, like, listen to my mixtape, listen to my mixtape. <laughs> look at my look at my portfolio, look at my portfolio. Oh. Yo, look at these assets I made, look at this, it's dope. UE4, what up, what up, what up? Mm. What, what, what are some of the things? I hope nobody says you E4 what 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 to you. Um what what are some the of the things <laughs> What time. are some of the things that you would give folks who are in the room advice about portfolio building, learning how to kind of uh move from spaces uh that they may not necessarily be comfortable in and also kind of how do you approach someone who's in a position like yourself is like do you don't do the mixtape version of it? What's the proper way to kind of come up to to, to um, say here's my stuff? All right, some do's and some don'ts. I'll start with the don'ts because those are the best. Um, 
This is my personal preference. I don't know why it is, but it just is. So again, don't judge me for this. These are just my personal preference. No anime in your portfolio. And the second one is really important. You got to listen to this. No man-monkey combinations. Huh. So I don't want to see a man-monkey thing represented in your portfolio. It's something I don't like. I don't know why it is. Like, li- like literal, literally? Like a man-monkey. <laughs> <laughs> Again, do not judge me by these things. You know if this was I, an episode by itself, it would be called, yo, don't judge me. Don't judge me. <laughs> I'm I, something about the man man key yes. that I don't like. It's just something I don't like about it. Oh. No, please. Please don't put that as that'll a hashtag be, for this event. I guarantee you that will be like a, a character in the game with a monkey mask or something. But no, like for real, um, just have like your best stuff in there because I see a lot of people trying to fill out fill out their, their portfolios with um, – with stuff just like oh i got a bunch of art i've got all kind of art and i'm gonna put put it all of it in there but like when i'm looking at it as an art director i don't really know what you're good at unless if your your best stuff is hidden by all this mediocre stuff so just put your best stuff in there it may be five or six things because then i can at least look at what you can do and say all right well i can see that this person has potential when i give this person a test they would be capable of completing the test in a timely fashion with the level of quality that I'm looking for. Hmm. But if somebody's putting like, oh, I do cars and I do weapons and I do characters. Oh, and I do UI and I do animation. Like all of these things, like there's no way you could be good at all of those things ever. Hmm. There's like a handful of people and I can count them on one hand in 23 years that are good at all of those things. And you are most likely not that dude or female. (laughs) So... You could become that person, but you, like out of school, you're not. Like, just right. I always tell the dudes at work, dude, stay in your lane. Huh. If you're an animator, just animate. Don't huh. like I know the schools. I work with the schools all the time, and every time these you know get on the portfolio reviews sure. and all the portfolios are stuffed with a variety of stuff that they've gotten for assignments and stuff. Right. And I'm like, I don't want to see your assignments. If I see one more trash can in a portfolio, I'm going to throw it out the window. Like, I don't want to see that. Like, oh, I did this uh, alley scene with trash can and trash bags. Like, <laughs> your man just did that. I saw it last week. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see that no more. Like, that's crazy. Like, don't send me your assignments. Like, your assignments are something that someone told you to do. Mm-hmm. I want to know what you like to do. Mm. Because then that's what you're going to be good at because nobody's nobody likes being forced to do things. So they're going to be like, all right, that's for the assignment. That's cool. I'm going to do trash can in the hallway or whatever. And then I'm going to go make a, you know, Optimus Prime. Right. And that I guarantee you the Optimus Prime is going to be better looking than the trash can any day. I mean, because trash cans are kind of whack. Yeah. So but, that's uh, anybody but, who's putting assignments in there. I don't want to see assignments in their, in their portfolio. Um so just yeah, just stay in your lane. Pick a thing, characters, weapons, whatever. Just pick a thing and then stick with it. What are, um, your, what are your thoughts on mentorship? Because I, I know a lot of folks when um, uh, they have that first step, that initial step of like, hey, can you look at my stuff? Um, and then they'll get some kind of feedback on that, um, and then they wind up getting to the next level where they're saying, okay, 
who can I reach out to to maybe have that conversation about the next level of how I can get my work to be better? And uh, how do you feel about, you know, what are some good ways of kind of approaching mentorship if you're a person who's starting out or, or getting into the space? As, as an individual that's coming out of school, uh, you know, being attached or being part of a community, like an online forum or whatever, like having somebody else look at your work is extremely valuable. And you doesn't necessarily have to be one particular person or another. Sure. Like I mean, there's forums for every everything, like Zebra Central and and Polycount. All of these forums are there for artists to post their stuff and people to give feedback. Yeah. So as long as you're getting feedback from someone other than yourself and your family and your mom, who's always gonna say you're the greatest thing ever. So she like as long as you get yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, but I know it, what you mean. I know what you mean. It'd be a fucking bad day if your mom just shit on you, right? <laughs> We like call, if she was we, like, "Hey, we check call, out this character." We call I did. that tough love in the Bronx, though. Hey, I'm just saying it would ruin your career. She that's, would be like, true. "Dude, just go, go do trash can." <laughs> 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 so no, just like other people that that do the same thing, and and, and so mentors are, are important. They're not the only way to get knowledge, though. Right. So like for me, I give back by. You know, whenever I get into a, a new city, I try to pick uh, an art school to go visit and talk to the kids. Mm. When I was in San Diego, I worked with Art Institute of San Diego. When I was in Seattle, Art Institute of Seattle. Also worked with Art Institute of Portland. Yeah. So I would go visit. We'd set up programs for them. Every 11 weeks, we would check up on them. We would say, all right, well, we would treat it as if they were uh, a third-party developer. Huh. So okay. we'd say, all right, here's your assignment. We want you to make a game in 22 weeks. And it's not a full game. It's just a portion of a game. We sure. give you the, the guidelines and the the structure. So if I'm like at the time we were working on Plant Side, Plant Side 2. So you have to make a Plant Side 2 theme game environment. Mm. Here are some of the, the concepts that we use. You make up your own concepts based on our style. So if I was an IP holder, how would you treat my IP? So mm. we're teaching them multiple things within this this uh this class structure like how to respect the ip obviously like you're gonna have to do that eventually if you get into the game industry sure uh how to you know create schedules mm. how to scope mm-hmm. you know how to when to cut mm. you know how to deal with people in the team structure like that was most most of the time was dealt with dudes who didn't come through or females who didn't come through yeah like yeah. you got your team members like you can't kick them off the team right you got 30 people in the class. They all paid 100 grand. Right. Like, can you imagine that? You go to class. <laughs> you paid your 100 grand. I paid my 100 grand. You off the team. Like, man, you out of your mind. You paid my 100 grand. I'm on the team. So, like, it's, it's, so they have to learn how to work together. Right. right. So that that's. Like, all of that stuff is valuable because you're not going to get that in any other class structure. Right. So that was the reason why we set it up so that we could get – it was a little selfish as well. Sure. Because we cherry-picked the best and left the rest, like, for the rest of these fools. Now I can't – now so, I just have all those people, like, in this weird category of, like, man-key drawers and trash can people. Yeah, trash can, man-key anime. <laughs> Over there. That sounds like a designer song. Yeah, it's um, good. <laughs> what what is what is make it, make it. <laughs> I'm saying I'm saying three okay. legacies uh, 
<laughs> one, one last quick question. What is a fundamental that you think every person who gets into your line of work should have down pat? Um, you should have, I mean, you should be able to be patient. I mean, that's huh. patience. Yeah. It wears thin. It wears really thin. Mm. But you got to understand like that you're dealing with people from all walks of life. Um, different scenarios, different situations, like right. different ethnicities. Mm-hmm. Like all of this stuff plays into who you, you're dealing with. Yeah. Like we had this conversation just at lunch yeah. about some Indian outsourcers. Sure. Right? I mean, it all comes together when I finish the story. Right. So Indian outsourcers. It's like, all right, well, we don't know what they do. Right. I don't know the culture. I can't even claim to know the culture. Sure. You know, but we know that they're not getting the job done the way we need to get it done. Sure. So Ryan and myself were talking to the guy who runs the studio. And we're like, how can we help? Right. You know, how can we help you get your guys to the level where we need them? Right. And Ryan, I'm going to throw you under the bus real quick. (laughs) Ryan's assuming they're just, just not good. Okay. And I'm like, dude, we don't know their situation. Sure. They could be getting beat every night. With a cane. Yeah. Just getting destroyed. And then they come to work and we're like, why ain't you performing? <laughs> like, there, there, so, are, there are cultural parts to the conversation exactly, of like, like, we don't I'm know. I'm not saying all Indian people beat each other. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, we don't know their scenario. Right. We don't know the situation. So like when you're dealing with people and you don't have patience, there's no way that you can learn what they've been through or sure. what they bring to the table or how they react to certain you know, certain responses. Sure. Because I had like, I mean, you talk to me. Yeah. Yeah. I talk, I talk to, talk to everybody like I'm talking right now. Yeah. And that could be offensive to some people. I thought you, I thought you hated me the first time we had the first conversation. Possibly. (laughs) It's possible. It could come off a certain way. So if you're not used to that, like I could talk to Hunter like this. Yeah. He's from, he's from the Bay area. Yeah. You know the deal. Yeah. Butters, I don't know. He might, he might break down if I holler at him like this. <laughs> you got to be made out of sterner stuff, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But see, if I, if I don't, if I don't take the time to understand him, yes, then there's no way that I can lead him anywhere. Mm. If I don't take the time to understand what what Hunter's about, right? Then there's no way that he's gonna follow me anywhere. Yeah. But like, people don't understand. Like, being the art director is not about being the boss. Yeah. It's not about being the boss. Yeah. It's about being the guy that somebody wants to follow. Mm. You know, mm. like the day I tell somebody just do it because I'm your boss is the day I quit. Mm. Because it's it's over after that. Right. It's over. Now, nobody's going to follow you then. Right. Like I can't do my job. My job is 100%, 100% selfishness. Huh. 100% selfishness. I say this because of this. And it's, everybody is probably living by the same rule, but they don't understand that they're doing that. It's 100% selfish because you can't get shit done unless they get shit done. Mm. So what is it? My, my job is to make sure that you get your shit done. Right. Why? So that I look good. <laughs> it's selfish. 100% selfish. And people don't they look at it like, oh, yeah, you're right. It is selfish. It is. It's 100% selfish. But that's how you win, though. Right. If you look at it that way, like self-preservation 
if I'm saying, okay, the way for me to survive is for me to be nice, for me to respect my people, for me to make sure that all the roadblocks are moved out of their way so that they can actually get to work and do the things that they need to do for me. If you do all of those things for your people in a selfish manner, then what's wrong? Like they get the respect, they get to do their job, they get, they get to be free and be creative and do all of these things because you allowed that to happen for them. So it's a selfish endeavor. That's why I like to say that. It's a selfish endeavor. I'm not going to put a roadblock in this man's way because it's not going to make me look, look good. You know, a lot of people play these power plays like, oh, I'm the boss and you're going to do what I say. Like, okay, yeah, you just, you just ruined it. You just destroyed your chances of ever getting ahead. The way to get ahead is to respect people, is to, to make sure that they're doing their job the right way, is to just be upfront with them and just be like, look, man, I'm trying to do this for you. Because if, if I make sure that all my artists are better than they are today, the next day, and succeed and feel like they're, they're contributing in a way that's substantial, if I can do that to all of the guys on my team, then the game is going to be better for it. The company's going to be better for it. And ultimately, all of that reflects on me. Mm. So be completely selfish. When you go to work, help the next man, do all of these things, and then go home and be like, yeah, I won. Yeah. Yeah. Because they don't know. Right. Right. <laughs> they think doing it for you. Right. It ain't for you. It's for me. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's. I think if you live by those rules, man, the world would be a better place, dude. It's true. I, I, Just think about it. If Donald Trump lived like that, dude, he'd be penniless and we'd all be rich. And everybody be like, damn, Donald Trump is the man. Everybody, we, if we want to get that seance going, everybody hold hands now. Exactly. <laughs> I'm telling you, if more people lived that way, we'd be in better place. I think that's a perfect place to end this. Tremel Isaac, y'all. Give us some Thank love. You. Good stuff. One of the one of the most important parts of kind of navigating the space, at least in the gaming industry and in most industries that you'll ever be in, is we have all been on an interview at some point. We have all been in a place where we've had to go and make that pitch to our to, to the person that we want to get a job from and also, you know, pitch yourself, pitch your work, pitch all the things that you are in, in lots of ways. Um, and we're lucky enough to have Craig Campbell with us this night. Uh, he is the Director of Talent Acquisition for Microsoft. Um, he's done numerous, numerous positions in this field, worked at Amazon, Starbucks, Dolby, and now at Microsoft. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for coming through, man. This is really Thanks cool. Thanks for having me. This is super yes. fun. This is super fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> word. so we're not going to do the Five Heartbeats song yet. No. Okay, no, no, we're going to no, hold no, on. No. <laughs> That'll be at the end. <laughs> Maybe. Let folks know who haven't been following your career or following your work, you know, how you got into this this field and, yeah. and kind of where you, you started from and how you decided to go in this route. Yes. Um, you know, I I knew that um, it started with, I think, kind of a motivation. Right. I think what, which is what whatever we end up doing starts with sort of a motivation, a spark. And from a from a talent acquisition standpoint, um, I've I've done every type of recruiting from you know, athletic recruiting to temporary recruiting to tech recruiting, 
I mean, so many different industries because I, I like the tapestry of the different industries and the different types of talent, right? And the intersection of what's valuable to one organization versus the other. But, you know, how I really jumped off is I just sort of just started doing it, huh. right? It wasn't somebody, nobody said, oh, well, there's this job called a recruiter and this is what it is. I didn't even know that that existed, um, but I had an affinity for matching talent and I just started doing it because it made sense to me and um, there were opportunities um, even when I wasn't getting paid for it I was sort of just making connections and um, and trying to identify and see talent in people and so so that was my start and then of course it it built as I got more disciplined opportunities and um, more relevant opportunities to different industries yeah when you when you talk about kind of pinpointing you know, things that you see in candidates and things that you see kind of across yeah. the spectrum of folks who you are coming from, whatever field that you're coming yeah. from. What are some of the things that you specifically are looking yeah. for uh, in a candidate? What are some of the things that this particular industry you feel may yeah. be looking for? Definitely. Uh, and, and kind of give that to the folks, too. I've, I've talked with a few people over the course of the last couple of days, and it's it just build. Like build, build, build. Don't wait for anybody to tell you to build. Don't wait for someone to give you a job to build. Go build it, I, whether it's small, medium, large. No matter what it is, um, it's a translation of your motivation and passion into something real. Mm. And, and I can tell you that when you think about, particularly in the technology industry, it's, it's what it was built on. Like, right? like it's how it started. Somebody decided, I'm going to go build this. <laughs> right. Like it was it was just because they either got frustrated with something or that they had an experience that was so pleasurable. They wanted to do more of it. Um, and, and I think over time. Right. The accessibility to information and tools um, certainly have been more available now need to continue to be more available as technology and tools and access uh, evolves. But um I think everybody has an opportunity to build something. And so when I look at a resume or I represent someone that I'm presenting to a hiring manager, the first thing I'm talking about is sort of what they've done on their own, their own initiative, right, beyond what they may have studied in school. Um, that is the first thing. And I can tell you from a competitive standpoint, I got two candidates, somebody who's very bright, smart. We know they have real talent and potential. The other person has the same thing, but... They bill from 8 p.m. to 1 a.m. or 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. before they go to work because it's what they do. It's when they do it, and, and everybody finds their own time to do it, um, but that stands out, right? That stands out as somebody who's applying what they know. I think that jobs that kind of are in I, – I, I kind of call HR a social science too. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things where you have to play a little bit of psychiatrist. Yeah. You have to be a little bit of, you know, the psychologist. Uh, you have to pull in a lot of different uh, uh, parts of yourself into that job to be able to, one, do it well, and also to still have a passion for it right. after a long career. Um, what have been some of the things you've been able to do in that, in that realm of to kind of keep yourself passionate about this kind of work? Right. I think um, we, we talk about this uh, concept all the way up to the CEO, and it, and it really is one of the driving um, levers behind a shift in our culture, which is this idea of growth mindset, mm. which you unpack that. And that really is about continuous learning and development mm. um, and not 
resting or relaxing on what you know. And, and as soon as you think you know it all, you probably don't know anything. Or somebody's <laughs> going to demonstrate to you how much you don't know. Right. So it's constantly stoking that, that knowledge, that insight, and that learning. And everybody learns in different ways, you know, whether it's a meetup, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a book, or whether it's actually doing it. And, and being comfortable with the fact that you have to be confronted with you don't know how to do it well enough yet. Mm. Right. And being OK and then going back and doing it again. So so this idea of like continuously learning and developing um, is something that I do. I, I've been inspired. I mean, I'm not sort of a, a native gamey gamer or, or even a, a developer by any stretch, but I've even been inspired to start my own game. Right. Because nobody told me that I couldn't. Hmm. So I just started doing it. Right. Awesome. And I go talk to people and I I ask them a million questions. You know, and, and if this, you know, if we had more time, I'd probably be asking you guys questions right, right, right now. But, <laughs> but that's another video, right? Uh, but, but, but that's a real spirit that we embrace, yeah. like, right? And, and, and I think that's a valuable thing. So that becomes a thing that a hiring decision is actually made on. Like, I'm talking to hiring managers, and I was telling him I'm constantly trying to agitate and challenge them. And I'm like, you got to pay attention to – the capability of someone to close the gap on a thing or two, six months to 12 months. You come work at a company at Microsoft, which is a big company, right? Sure. I mean, it might take you six months to know where all the bathrooms are. Like, right? right? So, right, so right. I mean, and some of our jobs are really hard to fill. Right. And so how about we test and evaluate this person's track record of learning and development and give them six months, maybe even 12 months to grow into this strong, viable candidate instead of leaving the job open for another six to 12 months. Mm. Right. Like like that's the fight I fight, you know, and, and they'll meet me there. And, and sometimes I win, sometimes I don't. But but that's the right fight. Right. On behalf of what we're trying to do. What's the conversation between recruiters in in that space where you have seen a trend happen or you see a conversation happening within that within that group. Um, what's the kind of knowledge sharing that goes on in that space so that all of you within Microsoft specifically and then other folks who are out in other spaces can be able to, you know, get get to the next level of being able to find better talent and to be able to yep. recruit better folks. So so in full transparency, one of the things that happens when you um, work, I think, at a successful organization, whether that's small medium or large is it becomes a little bit of an echo chamber sure right so we talk to each other and great idea great idea but we don't get outside the walls enough mm. so there are a lot of great ideas and there's a lot of learning and collaboration that we get from each other but i do think we need to continuously do a better job at getting outside of our walls um, and using different mediums to do that um even when we haven't really figured it out because there's so much to still figure out um but I think part of our culture sometimes is so so tuned to results and success that, you know, we just keep engineering it and keep engineering it versus, you know, if you compare it to a culture like we have here in the Bay Area, you know, certainly a startup culture, like they're like release it, like release it out, hmm. you know, and the market, the customer, the users will tell you if it's good or not or how it can be better. And so I think we got to do a better job at that. And I think you're starting to see us do more of that. Um, but that's how it that's how it shows up. And then that's it, it takes people to just say, hey, let's release this. Let's push this out. And yeah. I think we're getting 
more comfortable doing that across, you know, not only in what I do, but even in our products. Sure. What's, what's the, uh, uh, I guess speaking from my own personal experiences of having been on job interviews and not getting that gig. Yeah. Right. Um, what are some of the things you can offer up as advice for folks who yeah. may have taken that step back, who feel like this is a dent or, or a knock against their character as a more, as opposed yeah, to right. the actual work that they've done? What, what's some things you can shed light on that for folks who, who may have gone through that process too? Yeah, I think, I think one, uh, you know, ownership on our side, I think we got to find a way to give people, um, more constructive feedback. Sure. Right. I, I, I can guarantee you if you've gone in an interview, you've had one time or another where you've taken the time, maybe you've taken off work, right, as we do, or you were sick on that interview day, right? <laughs> right, I, I, right? Took that sick day, right? You took that sick day. Uh, we appreciate that too, right? Uh, no judgment, no judgment here. But, right, so so you've done all that, and, I, and I, you know, and I think we got to find a way to, Give more constructive feedback, useful feedback, something you can you can do something with because that point in time is that point in time, right? Six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, right? The the assumption is you will only get better, and, and that's helpful, I think. Um, now the reality is, I think we, you know, we we try to hedge because you know we don't, we don't want to say the wrong thing, or sure. you never know how people are going to receive that feedback, and so you know. But I think there's a sweet spot, and I just think we need to keep trying. So, so that's one, sure. right? I, I think the other thing is um, just just recognize that it's competitive, and you know, you you bring your game, and you bring what you know, and you're thorough about what you know. Um, and uh, when a decision is made, it's 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 not necessarily, you know, about sort of how you showed up as an individual, as a human being, mm. unless you were excuse my language, like you showed up as like an asshole or something. And like, you know, nobody wants that. Right. Like, right. of course. So, so I, and I think most people don't do that. Um, so, so I think, you know, your stuff and you know what you bring to the table. Sometimes that's going to be competitive enough. Uh, Sometimes it, it, it will be the winning play, you know, for anybody. Um, and, and I think it's just continuing to grow. But I, but I really do believe that we, you know, we owe better feedback. Right. right? for people to be able to do something with that. So I'd, I'd say those two things. Um, awesome. Uh, it's been funny to hear you say that stuff. Cause I feel like there are some weird uh, taboos about HR and there are weird <laughs> still, there are still, I'm sure that there are still folks in this room, no matter what your age, where your, your field of field, field of scope is where you're still like, how am I supposed to get that resume to you? Or how is it supposed to look? What's the format? What are the small things that we want? What, what see, what's I'm it? Sweating now, I see. Is it? <laughs> but I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna keep it real. I, Look, I promise. And that's, and that's, and that's, and that's exactly what I I'm. That's exactly where I'm so, trying to go. It's like, so what is it I that promise. you actually so, want? So, so here, here's, um, here's what we see from a. So right, you meet like even in not like oh you're meeting, you're changing chart cards, emails. Where do I send my resume? Like, all all that is is goodness, right? Um, I think. Ultimately, people have to go apply online, and there are a lot of jobs, and a lot of times the job descriptions aren't written so well, and sometimes people aren't very good at even writing resumes, right? Sure. Certainly as they are relevant to the job that they're interested in. Sure. Um, one big challenge that we have is, is the scale 
and the volume, particularly at a company like Microsoft that comes into the top of the funnel. Um, we, we, we spend a lot of time figuring out how do we scale to that so that we don't miss great talent, um, but also how we can regain the confidence that if you go and you apply for a job, you feel like somebody actually has looked at the resume and, and actually made a thoughtful decision about you know, your background and your, your capability and, and, and your opportunity, right, to work at the company. So, so we're trying to solve that. Sure. And, and that's, that's like a recruiting thing since the beginning of time. Now, that being said, one of the ways that I think we can evolve that is by creating more channels for engagement beyond just that. Right. Like this, for example, like I think when you start to build a community, you you create more intimacy, you create a little bit more trust, you create a little bit more direct engagement and a line of sight to the people on the other side of that. And mm -hmm. so I, I, I think that's what we aspire to for communities like this. Right. When we really get this humming, you know, you should be able to go to the community and I should be in partnership with that community and take good care all right, of the candidates that come in, wherever they might land, you know, or whatever feedback we might give them. So I think expanding the channels for engagement, sometimes it's online, sometimes it's offline, right? Sometimes it's just through direct relationships. So that's another thing that I think comes from this. And also, what really quickly, I know this is a thing that since we have now moved into the age of Twitter and Facebook, yep. that this is a thing that a lot of folks that I know will talk about, like, are they checking my social media channels? Uh, and what, what are the things that are absolutely off limits and what are the gray areas and what are the similar things? Can you talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, I think, um, I think that varies company to company. Okay. Um, I think some companies do um, you know, pay attention to that. Um, I, I, I know, we don't, you know we don't spend time on that. Um, I think for us, you know, we really try to rely on the conversations and the engagement we have with you. Certainly there's a, a reference right. that, that shows up. But the, you know, the social media, I would just say to you, right, um, uh, be careful about what you post. And I don't mean that you can't be convicted about something and you can mm. kind of have a point of view because I think that's healthy. Right. Uh, but I just think some of the things that are just messy, you know, don't be messy right it's unnecessary and certainly the consequences behind that as we've all seen by now that's why it still continually shocks me that people <laughs> do that i mean everybody has seen and, and witnessed a story where something just got messy and it just cost people a job or a career yeah. even so yeah. you know just just don't be messy yeah don't act up <laughs> don't act up don't lie right. cool 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 uh if you want to ask any questions there'll be time afterward uh, again, thank you so much for coming. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks, guys. That was great, Craig. Thank you so yeah. much. That, All was right. awesome. that was awesome. So that's it, everybody. That was the whole crew from the GDC big event. Um, again, shout out to Craig, Tramel, Gordon, and Tanya. Um, I really do hope that Microsoft and Big. Uh, expand on this and bring in some more women and bring in some LGBTQ folks and, and, and bring in a lot of different uh, segments of our diaspora and of the strata that we are in uh, trying to make this space better, more diverse and more inclusive. Um, it is amazing to have seen and to have um, been in the room with uh, big brass from Xbox. Aaron Greenberg was there and some other folks. 
uh, from the upper upper ranks uh, peeking in and, and hanging out uh, at the event and staying and sticking around and talking to folks and, and, and showing that they are real about bringing these kinds of conversations to folks who attend GDC. Um, and again, we hope to bring you more coverage on things like this in the future, you know, in attendance or hosting or any of those things. Um, and again, like who wouldn't want to work for Tremel after that? Who wouldn't want to work with, with, with Bosky Productions after that um, kind of um, peek inside and behind the curtain of, you know, what they're looking for um, as a team? And, and, and he has the, the helm of the art team, uh, the captain of the, of, the, of the art team on that side. And Craig, you know, dropping dropping some some really needed knowledge, like keep your stuff on point on social media because, you know, everyone is definitely watching um, and make sure that, you know, you are keeping yourself, uh, you know, kind of marketable uh, while you spit your truth uh, to the youth out there on Twitter. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, we are going to talk about our, our uh, trials and travails at E3 uh, and triumphs at E3. Uh, we didn't get a chance to do it this week because uh, we just got really busy and, and, and everything just kind of folded in on itself. But in an upcoming show, uh, we will definitely uh, give you um, some some insights into how everything went and how we felt about the show and, and how Reef had his first E3. Uh, so there's a lot of time for that still to be in there. Uh, and again, check out all of our stuff on Twitter, uh, on Overcast, on iTunes, on NPR One. Uh, please subscribe. Um, and share out the YouTube channel. We're really trying to push uh, more video out there so that we can kind of be a more diverse show for you. Um, and also let us know if there are folks that you want to uh, poke at uh, to be on the show. And we are bringing our Patreon back soon. Um, so remember that uh, in the future uh, upcoming weeks because we we're definitely going to need uh, that support. Um, so again, much love to y'all. Uh, we'll see you all next week. This is Kali, and I'm out. Peace.